of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. The opportunity to share a word with your people. I pray that you anoint my lips, let every word that I'll speak go to meet somebody at the point of their need. I take authority in the realm of the spirit and I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy in this place. We declare this place in the hearts and the minds of the people of God, sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their Father this morning. To glory, Father, to glory, Son, to glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? Oh, if we are putting our hands together, let's put it together well. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. How many of you are ready for the word today? How many of you are ready for the word today? And how many of you are excited to be in church? I can't feel any excitement. Though. How many of you are excited to be in church this morning? Hallelujah. Some of these things is meant to get those of you who are still sleeping to wake up. Hallelujah. Yeah, some of you are still not fully awake yet. But we thank God for this morning. And um, today I'm going to speak to you on a very important subject. I'm, I'm done with the series on the devices of the enemy. Alright, I'm preparing another series very soon. Alright, I won't reveal the identity of, <laughs> of the series yet. But, I want you to turn your Bibles to, or punch your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, specifically verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4. Let, let me have the NIV. Proverbs 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Alright. Let's all read it together. Go. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Let's take it again. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Give me the KJV version of the same thing. The KJV. Okay, if I say KJV version, it's tautology. So the KJV. The V is already version. Alright. So KJV. It said, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Let's read it together. Go. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. What the Bible is saying here is that all the issues of life emanate from the heart. And because of that, you need to keep your heart with diligence. So the title of my sermon today is Guard Your Heart. Tell somebody, guard your heart. Tell somebody else, guard your heart. Tell a third person, guard your heart. Hallelujah. The heart must be a very precious thing for God to instruct us to guard it. In fact, nobody guards anything that is not precious. It will be an absurd scene to see a security man stationed in front of a rubbish dump. It's like you that is you have been employed to stand in front of the rubbish dam, the Ebola, as we say. You will never see it. Hallelujah. And the reason is that the things that are there are not precious. They are things people don't need. They are waste, they waste things in people's lives. 
So there is no need to guard a rubbish dump. So anything you will guard, a bank is heavily guarded. There are armed policemen there who can even slap you. You know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> can slap you and do all sorts of things to you. They are stationed there to guard it because there are very valuable things in there. They're very beautiful houses. They're likely that there is money in there somewhere, hiding somewhere. So they employ a whole security company and they station guards at strategic places. The biggest hotels around, they have security guards. The things that are considered precious are guarded. Hallelujah. So if the Bible is telling you to guard your heart, then it means God places a lot of weight on your heart. Amen. Now the heart is a very strategic and very important part of every human being. It's possibly the most important part of, of your personality or, or of any human being. And the reason why I say it is the most important is that it's virtually the only part of you that straddles three important dimensions in your life. Now the human being is made up of as I say we are we are spirits, right? We have a soul and we live in a body. That is the spirit, soul, and then the flesh. The heart is the one part of us that straddles all these three dimensions. Amen. So we have the anatomical heart, which is the physical heart. The one that is in your chest right now, that is beating at, it's supposed to be 72 beats per minute. But there are some people when you see them, your heart beats at 100 for different reasons. Some for joy, some for anger. <laughs> but the normal one is supposed to be around 72 beats per minute. Hallelujah. So that is the anatomical heart. I keep telling people that the anatomical heart tends to give people problems in their old age. That is when the hypertension and the cholesterol and all those things come in. So we have the anatomical heart. And then we have what we call the social heart. Somebody say the social heart. The social heart is like, while the anatomical heart is like the body, the flesh, the social heart is like your soul. Because your soul is the seat of your emotions, is the seat of your will, is the seat of your intellect. So that's your social heart. So that heart, the social heart. And then we have the spiritual heart. It is with our hearts that we worship God. The Bible says, God seeks worshippers. True worshippers who worship Him in what? In spirit and in truth. So there are times when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's talking about your physical heart. There are times when the Bible is talking about your heart, it's talking about your social heart or your soul. And there are times that when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's talking about your spirit, which is the means by which you interact with the spirit world. Hallelujah. So this thing called the heart has the ability to, it, it straddles all of these three dimensions. And that is what makes the heart a very strategic thing. It makes it a very a very important part of our beings now why must we guard our hearts why is it important to guard our hearts at least the first thing i've told you is that it straddles all of these three dimensions but there are other reasons why we need to guard our hearts now the bible makes a certain statement give me proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 Proverbs 23, 7. I'm trying to lay the foundation 
before I start. Proverbs 23, verse 7. You see, because it straddles all of these three, it, it is a good indicator. The Bible says, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart. Another version says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What the Bible is saying is that what goes on in your heart is the true reflection of you. Hallelujah. And it makes sense because this thing called the heart straddles all the dimensions of your being. The spirit is a representation of the spirit. It's a representation of the soul. It can also be a representation of your body. So he's saying that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so because of the strategic nature of the heart... God has chosen it as his monitor. That is what he uses to monitor man. If God wants to monitor you, if God wants to see you, he sees you through your heart. Hallelujah. Let's read First Samuel chapter 16 verse 7. I just want to prove to you that as far as God is concerned, you are what is in your heart. It's not what you show out there for us to see. It is what is inside your heart that matters. A lot of us think it's our deeds that matter. But to God, what is in the heart is more important than the deeds. That is not to say the deeds don't matter. But what is in the heart is more important to God. He said, but the Lord said unto someone, look not unto the countenance or on the height of his stature. That's when he had gone to try and anoint somebody uh, from the house of Jesse as the king of Israel. And this is what God said. When he saw Eliab with his thick tall nature, he said, Ah, this one, the Pahadi. And God said, But the Lord said unto someone, Look unto, not unto his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. This is a very important statement. God doesn't see the way we see. I know you know this statement, but today I want you to sink into your spirit in a different way. God does not see the way we see, God does not judge the way we judge. God does not estimate things the way we estimate. He said, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on what? The heart. Anytime God sees you, it's your heart he's seeing. It is your heart. That, that is what he sees. I've said it over and over again that it's as if God has x-ray vision. What is on the outside is not, is not really very much interested in. It is the heart. Hallelujah. And that is one of the reasons why you need to guard your heart. If you want to please this God, and we have, it's been stated clearly here that as for him, is the heart he's interested in. It means you have to take this thing called the heart very seriously. Some of us think, oh, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what goes on inside me. It is what I bring out that is the most important. But for God, it is what is inside that is the most important. The second reason why you must take this thing called the heart seriously is that judgment, which is the ultimate thing for all of us. We are all going to stand before the judgment of Christ. That judgment which, if you are going to make it into heaven, is going to be a judgment of accountability and not a judgment of condemnation. That judgment is going to be a judgment of motives. Hallelujah. It's going to be a a judgment of motives. And motives come from your heart intentions the reasons behind the things that you did let's read first corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 
He said, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. He's talking about judgment here. The hidden counsels, the hidden motives, the hidden intentions. Because it's going to be a judgment of accountability and rewards. The motive behind the thing that you did, for which you are demanding a reward, is what is going to be examined. Not necessarily the thing that you did. Hallelujah. If you gave to the poor just to keep up appearances, on that day, don't expect a reward for when they are rewarding those who give to the poor. Don't expect a reward. Because God doesn't look on the outside. He doesn't see you're going there to give to the poor. What he sees is the motive behind it. What is the inspiration behind it? Hallelujah. There was a time I got the opportunity to speak to Christian leaders in Hollywood. I told them, that, look, when you are a leader, the motives and the intents or the intentions behind your actions is, is most important. If your aim is to bring a particular known name to the land, not because you think the person can be a blessing unto the land, and that you realize there is a need on the land that the man's anointing can 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 solve or 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 or, or, or help but because you want people to say after you have left office that in this person's time when this, this person was president when this person was in this position we were able to pull so so and so onto the land When you are put in a leadership position, you can easily find yourself doing things with the wrong motive. They may be the right things, but their motives may be wrong. The inspiration behind it may be wrong. Hallelujah. What is the reason why you've, you've joined a, a particular subgroup? Is it just because they say everybody should join a subgroup? Yes, I mean, they say everybody, so you must join. But <laughs> maybe you just want to get closer to somebody. Their motive. Their motive. You realize that you don't have a good reason to visit. So, ah, this person is in evangelism. Charlie, make me to go there. Evangelism said we walk. We go two by two as Jesus sends them. So we shall pair up. <laughs> Motives. If that is a secondary motive and the primary motive is souls, God will understand. Hallelujah. The motive is important. God looks at the motive. And it is by motives that we will be judged. And it is our motives that we are going to give an account for. God does not look at the heart. does not look on the outside. He looks at the heart. That is why everything you do, you must examine your heart. Examine your heart. Because at the end of the day, that is what you are going to be examined on. It's, it's not what you show us. It's not what you show us. So one, it is God's chosen monitor. The reason why we must guard the heart, it is God's chosen monitor. If I want to find out how your liver is functioning, the standard monitor is for me to order for a liver function test. The result will tell me the state of your liver. If I want to see the state of your kidney, I'll ask for what 
BUE creatinine. That is going to tell me the state of your, of your, what do you call it? And so, God's monitor. You see, the liver function test is the monitor for the function of the liver. The BUE creatinine is the, is the monitor for the functioning of the kidney. So, if God wants to see our state, how we really are, the monitor he has chosen is our heart. It is your heart. That is what he comes to look at. You look at, oh, where have your, your legs going? Where are your hands going? Heart. He just goes straight to the heart. The motives and the intentions. And the Bible has equated us to what is in our heart. That is why you must guard the heart well. Because as far as God is concerned, you are what is in your heart. That is you. Three. It says all issues of life emanate from the heart. That is why you must guard it. Everything, every single thing in this world, it will emanate from the heart. What you allow into the heart, what you allow out. And you see, when it comes to guarding, you can guard from things entering and you must also be careful the things that come out of your heart. Things can enter our heart. If you read first. Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 When it says I have not seen He has not heard He has entered the heart of man Neither has it entered the heart of man That means that the heart has a portal For entry and then exit The Proverbs We read earlier on Where it says what Out of the heart Comes the issues of life That means there is an exit portal And there is an entry portal Neither has it entered the heart of man So all of these portals Need to be guarded well you guard what enters your heart and you guard what comes out of your heart. Hallelujah. Now, what are some of the things we need to guard our hearts against? We've established the fact that the heart is very, very important. What are some of the things we must guard our hearts against? There are, there are many of them, but I've selected a few. Number one is anger. Somebody say anger. Say it well, anger. Oh, you're angry with me. <laughs> You must guard your heart against anger. Somebody will ask, is a Christian allowed to be angry? Who can answer the question? Are Christians allowed to be angry? Yes, you are allowed. Uh, hey. <laughs> Don't be angry by heart. The way you say, yes. Anger. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. So it is alright to be angry. Even Jesus got angry at a point in time. And he pulled the king and disciplined them. If Jesus should pull that cane once again and come to church, it will be a disaster. If he should enter the church in this state, the church of God globally in this state, the lashing will start from the pulpit. You bypass and go to the pulpit and start lashing from there. Now, he said, Be ye angry. Hallelujah. I hope none of you will take that sentence and preach a sermon on it. Be ye angry. Maubunfu. <laughs> He said, be angry. And what? Sin not. So they brought in a caveat today. That's what you can get angry. But sin, what is sin? Sin is disobedience to the word of God. When you disobey what God has said, you have sinned. It's as simple as that. He says, be angry, but make sure you don't disobey the word of God. Don't let your anger lead you to sin. So the anger shouldn't lead you into revenge your anger shouldn't lead you into hatred 
which according to Jesus' standards is equal to murder. Don't let your anger lead you into sin, to disobeying the word of God. He said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It is also the word of God. So if you go against it, you sin. Hallelujah. Don't let the sun go down. And that is how many hours? As I said, we said 12 hours. Sunset, six, sun, sunrise, 6 o'clock. Sunset, 6 p.m. You have a 12-hour period within which you can get angry. Be angry. Frown your face. Do your... You know, when children get angry, <laughs> it's different from when <laughs> adults get angry. If, you have, if, you, if you've ever had a child before, you've stayed with a child. When they, get, they think they, are, they have done something, the best they'll do is to fold their arms like this. Daddy, I went to the barber shop and a man brought his two sons, the smallest one, stubborn boy. Hey, he'll be like two or three years old. Sit there, I won't sit. This is I won't do. This. It's like everybody was just. So he got angry with everybody, got up, he said, I'm going to see shop. <laughs> you know, see so he's a she shop. I'm going to see shop. For him, that, that's the expression of the anger. I'm going to see shop. <laughs> my kids, when they were growing up, the, the peak of their anger is when they say, you are not my friend again. When they say that, that means they've told you what is in their heart. That's child, children's anger. But when an adult gets angry, tell you, you are, I'm done with you. When you see me here, pass here. I don't want to encounter your shadow. I'm finished with you. I'm done with you. Never let such words come out of your mouth that you are done with somebody. If Jesus had decided that he was done with you, those days when you were in the world, misbehaving, he had said, no, 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 you have, you have disobeyed me too much, you have disappointed me too much, so I'm done with you. So never open your mouth and say, no matter what the person has done to you, you should never be done with anybody. Hallelujah. Once God is not done with them, and God is holy, he's perfect, you are nowhere near perfect. You have your weaknesses. You have your insufficiencies. So you have no right to declare to somebody that you are done with the person. Hallelujah. There's a place for separating yourself from people and reducing contact. By saying you are done. As in, done. That one, you have to think about it twice. Hallelujah. So the Bible is saying you can get angry. But after that 12 hour period, don't exceed it. And this one is very important, especially in marriage. When you are going out, then it's different because maybe you're on campus here. The person is somewhere. You won't see each other for one week. So you can keep the anger. But if you are living under the same roof, in the same room, sleeping on the same bed, you wake up, you see that face. You are going to sleep, you see that face. You are walking on the corridor, you meet the person. You will learn to obey this one if you want to be happy in life. Hallelujah. You, you will learn. When a person is far, you can continue, you can decide that look, I won't WhatsApp you today. The everyday hello, dear, good morning thing will knock out. I'll continue. But this one, face to face, we are not talking about WhatsApp, social media interaction. Face to face. You will learn. You will learn. You learn to break the ice. There are some people they are too proud to be the ones who break the ice anytime there is a there's friction. If you are like that, repent. Hallelujah. It's, it's a sign of pride, though. It's like, so I should go and talk to her first. 
Then it's like I have lost. Huh, you are laughing because what I'm saying is choking you. I, I am dialing your number, so pick up the phone. <laughs> Why should I be the one to go and talk to her first? That means I have lost. It is a sign of weakness. It is a sign of pride. Which is the mother of all sins. You must learn to deal with your anger. There are some people who, are, who actually pride themselves with their temper. The way they talk about that's why my heart is not good though. Then go and get a transplant. I don't like nonsense. <laughs> you are full of nonsense yourself. That is not good. I'll tell, tell you. I'll give it to you. Give it to you. I'll give it to you straight. I don't need a ruler. I've taught you a new term, eh? <laughs> Don't need a ruler. <laughs> no ruler guide. Are you straight already? You know, Ben, no care. You must guard your heart against anger. And this is the reason why the Bible is telling us that look, you can be angry, but don't be angry for too long. Let's read Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. That is why you can't get angry for too long. This thing called Christianity is warfare. We are in a constant battle. And Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, will tell you why you shouldn't get angry for too long. Oh. Okay. It says, like a city whose walls are broken down, is a man who lacks self-control. There's one version that actually uses the word anger. It is likening being in a state of anger, like being a city with broken walls. And that is a serious state to find yourself in. That is why you, you can't get angry for too long. You are in warfare. Constantly being attacked by the enemy. And so what it means is that the moment you plug into that thing called anger, your walls of defense are down. You can't stay in that state for too long. This enemy we are dealing with is too sharp. He's too wicked. He's too full of evil for you to allow yourself and expose yourself to him like that. Hallelujah. If the Bible says it, then it means that is what it is in the spirit. You are like a city with broken walls. Don't you realize when you are angry, you can do anything. You can act out of character. Things you will normally not do. Things you will normally not say. I have a principle. When I get upset, I don't deal with issues. I will wait and cool down. Because that is when I can think properly and solve the situation. Is that if you cannot control your anger, you are asked you are as helpless as a city without walls, open to attack. Yes, I like this one. We say good news is for children. But there are certain things the good news will give it to you straight without a ruler. <laughs> if you cannot control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls, open to attack. Attack from where? The enemy. What they used to fight in the physical, in the Old Testament, we are fighting in the spirit. Because Paul came and changed the pride and said, For now we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. When you are angry, you are open to attack. You will say things that will cause irreparable damage to your relationship with people. Let me tell you, words, eh? When they come out of your mouth, it's gone. Oh. You can't chase the words and 
catch it and swallow it back. There are some words, even if you apologize after you have said it, the scar of the head is still there and it remains. It will take grace for the person to forgive and forget. You don't just open your mouth when you are angry. So you must guard your heart against anger or prolonged anger. Hallelujah. The second thing you must guard your heart against is offense and bitterness. See offense and bitterness. When it comes to offense and bitterness, eh, you can open yourself up to offense and you can also be a propagator of offense. You spread offense. Like how an infection spreads. You spread bitterness. There are some people, when they are angry with somebody, they expect all their friends to be angry with the person. I can say, oh, yesterday I was WhatsApping with this. How, how can you break the, the sister code? Breaking the brotherhood code. I'm not talking to this guy. Why should you be talking to him? You are trying to spread offense. You are trying to spread bitterness. And Hebrews 2.15 will show you what bitterness is. You see, it's not only sexual immorality that, that defiles us. When we think about the things today, I want you to think about bitterness and offense in a different dimension. It's not only going to fornicate or committing adultery. That, those are not the only things that defile us. Well, basically, what it talks about is the fact that bitterness and offense can defile. It actually uses the word defile. And you can be defiled by bitterness offense. Keeping bitterness in your heart. I told you here before that anybody who is bitter is like you are drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. But in it's 12, eh? not 2. Hebrews 12, 15. Okay. Hebrews 12, 15. Is that looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be what defiled. So bitterness can defile. Bitterness can make you dirty. So in your marriage, it's not going outside the marriage alone, committing adultery that can defile you and defile the marriage. You keeping bitterness continually being bitter with your husband continually being bitter with your wife because she stepped on your toes because she did this because he did that he left his shirt where he's not supposed to leave it and every day you are saying it every day you are saying it yeah he doesn't take me serious when i talk it's like just the wind blowing so you are bitter harboring bitterness can defile you so if you are bitter against somebody today release the person hallelujah it's a way of cleaning yourself out. You have kept too many toxins inside you. Sometimes you feel you have the right to be angry. You feel you have the right to be bitter. But you are the one hurting yourself. You are drinking poison and you are expecting somebody else to die. The person is busy thinking about himself. Walking around. His BP is normal. But you, your heart is beating. Pa, 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 pa. Very soon you have cardiomegaly. Because you are bitter and angry. Anytime you think about the person, you are annoyed. He broke your heart. Let him go with his... Bad luck. Hallelujah. Don't continue to, 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 to have a pity party all the time. Harboring bitterness and raining curses. You, it will never be well with you. And it will never be well with your marriage. 
Leave the person alone. And leave bitterness out of your life. Hallelujah. The third thing you must guard your heart against is deception. Everybody say deception. The Bible says you must be as wise as a serpent. There's a lot of deception going on. Even from the pulpit. There's a lot of deception. And you need to guard your heart against deception. You need to be alert. There are wolves that are in sheep's clothing. Walking around. There are deceivers and scammers around. Hallelujah. You have to be careful who you give your money to. (laughs) The scammers are all over the place. Amen. Deceivers. You must guard your heart. You must be smart. You are going to put your money somewhere. Research. Do your background check. Not just because they are presenting you with juicy, juicy. They will chop your money and disappear. Deception. You must guard your heart. Don't let greed lead you into all sorts of things. Somebody comes and says, I'll give you 500% in two days. Say, hey, my yeah, yeah. This is my door into prosperity. And you take all your savings, go and give to him. And you do, bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for your donation. <laughs> and they will call it donation too. <laughs> Thanks for your donation. Bye. And go away. So you must guard your heart against deception. Number four. Guard your heart against pain and hurt. Because some people are out there to hurt you. There are people out there who, who, who are bent on causing you pain. One of the things that can cause pain is ingratitude. When people are ungrateful to you, eh, it's like a pain has pierced your heart. Ungrateful. Me, I've, I've had my share of ingratitude. Fair share of ingratitude. I've told you this before. There was a particular fire rally where we took some people and paid their fees. Like those who were having problems with school fees and we paid. Like we raised money, they paid. The ministry also added some money, gave to them. There was this particular young girl who also came forward. We paid. It was getting to exam time. So, I mean, it was very crucial. They couldn't have written the exams and all of that paid her fees for her and everything she never called to say thank you other people brought receipts to show that oh I've gone to pay thank you very much people wrote letters typed it brought gratitude this girl she just collected the money and that was it weeks I think even some months had passed nobody ahead of her so I asked for her number. Because it occurred to me that no. You see, a young girl with financial problems, you don't just solve the financial problem. You need to go into why the problem is there. Because such people are very vulnerable to those men with money who just want some young girl to fool around with. So I was like, no. We have to look for this girl, try and stabilize her in the Lord so that she won't be a victim to any of these people. So I asked for her number. I called her. I called her. She was in NTC. I called her. I was like, where are you? And the way she was even answering, she was saying, yes. So I thought introducing myself would change her. So this is Dr. Leslie Kakum. Yes. So I thought, okay, maybe she didn't, the name, no. So I said, I said, added fire rally. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Oh my God. <laughs> I said, wow, today, dear. <laughs> I'm not used to that kind of <laughs> reaction <laughs> to me introducing myself, but I'll take it like that. I was like, I want to see you. Please, I'm busy. I was like, hey. He said, yes, I'm busy. I'm learning. So if anything, talk on the phone. I was like, oh, okay, so you are, you are busy. Eh? He said, yes, it's busy. Okay, all right. I don't want to disturb you. It's okay. And I left it. This was like three, four. I've never spoken to her again. But you see, there's no blessing in that kind of thing. That's what I was like, hey. And some of these things, eh, if you follow, you will not do good again. One pastor friend told me, he was like, he, he has a church and they are, they are running a school too. Like a, a tertiary institution. Not a university, but a tertiary institution. And there was this girl who was in the school, who was also in the church. They realized she had financial problems. So he spoke to his wife, look, let's give her a scholarship in the school. Like, she won't pay school fees. Let her just continue attending for free. And then, every time, like, she, she used to come and live in their house, during vacations and stuff like that. They are taking her as a daughter. When it's time to go to school, oh, write a list of your provisions that you want. And blah, blah, blah. They were helping this lady out. And this pastor, quite a number of the people in the school are also in the church. So suddenly he realized a lot of people's attitude, a lot of the young people, their attitude towards him had changed. You know when people's attitude changes towards you, you know. When they show you a certain kind of respect, but now when they are talking to you, you cry, you begin to wonder. I was wondering, ah, what has happened? What has changed? One person mastered the courage to come to you and say, Pastor, I want to ask you something. He said, yes, ask me. He said, he's hearing some rumors, but he, he knows the kind of person he is. So he decided to come and ask him to be sure to find out whether he was true. He said, look, okay, you ask me. He said, there's a rumor going around that you are in a relationship with this girl and she's actually the one spreading the rumor. And she's using her provisions list and your handwriting on it. You see, you come and say, oh no, that's what this one, okay, this is add some here, this is so his handwriting. That's what she was using as evidence. That she's in a relationship with the man of God. You see, this one, if he hadn't included his wife from the beginning and he had been helping her on the side, trouble. The wife herself will start wondering. And this was what the, the lady was, was, was propagating around. No, we said, he was like, look, also for this thing, prepare your heart for things like that too. <laughs> People will, will show ingratitude. People will be ungrateful. People will be ungrateful. He said there was this gentleman too. He picked. He had finished Lego and didn't have anything to do. But I picked the gentleman. Started grooming him in the Lord. Sponsored him to do a master's degree. Ordained him as a pastor. He was in the church. Not knowing this gentleman was sleeping with all the young girls in the church. Behind his back. He said... They usually have some number of days dry fasting, like three days dry, dry fasting. The whole church they go and camp in Legon, and this pastor was the one coordinating the fasting and prayer, and he was the one allocating rooms. No, no, in this guy had actually allocated a room to the girl next, a particular girl that he was grooming daughter. 
growing the daughter <laughs> to do great things for the Lord. He had placed her room next to his. And in the evening, in the midst of fasting and prayer. When he found out, the guy was de- denying the thing. Trying to make it look like he's accusing him falsely. Accuser of the brethren. Firmly denied it. Trying to make him look like, no, this man is bad. He's just trying to give a dog a bad name and hang it. But you know, there are people who are very sharp in technology. All your WhatsApp messages, there are people who can tap into it right now. Everything you send to somebody, they will see it on their phone. And there was one such smart guy in the church. He was like, Pastor called. He was like, oh, don't worry. I will give you evidence. Found a way of tapping into the guy's phone. He got WhatsApp messages, incriminating messages and pictures. Nude pictures. Also full. And then you two send me some. And she too, she will send. So when a man of God saw he was angry. He was like, look, I'm going to deal with this guy drastically. One day after church, he called a meeting of all the pastors and some of the elderly people in the church. He said, sit down. I have something to show you. First he started. He brought the accusation against it. The gentleman rudely denied it and more or less accused him of trying to create a bad name for him. He was like, eh, so you claim there is nothing like that. He had already set up a projector. A laptop. Call the technical guy. First screenshot. He didn't go for the nude ones first. It was a very steamy conversation between the two of them. Whose face? Whose deep is that? Who's, who's, who's? Isn't that you? No, the guy went on his knees. Crawled towards him. Oh, I beg you. Ingratitude. But you see, we need the grace to be able to discern those who are pigs and will not appreciate their pearls when you throw them at them. Even Jesus Christ said, look, you have to do good to people, but even let's read Matthew chapter 7 verse 6. There are times you have to be smart in knowing who to to do good to. Matthew 7 6. It said, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest what? They trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Pearls are supposed to be precious things. When you are giving out your precious things, you have to be careful who you are giving out to. Hallelujah. This is not an encouragement to be chiseled. To be hard-handed. Hey, as for me, I don't give. No. What the Bible is saying is that you should try and be discerning small. That some people, they show obvious signs of ingratitude right from the beginning. You don't continue pumping into them. You stop at the point. Because after you have thrown the pearls at them, they don't value pearls. They don't value important things. They don't value valuable things. They said they would trample upon it. And after they are trampled upon it, and told the other thing you have given me, she said, they will turn at you, accuse you, give you a bad name. And so you need to guard your heart in that direction. Hallelujah. Guard your heart against people who are likely to pull you down. I work with some people, eh? I was telling my wife, the work environment there is too toxic. I'm not talking about hematology here. This one sounds like Hollywood. 
that work environment is too toxic. Everybody wants to pull somebody down in order to ascend. One gentleman who had a friend, like he, he was the manager of the place, he had a friend. This guy came and he took him as a friend. The guy lived next to, new, new, uh, close to his house. So he'll pick him in his car after work, they'll go and they'll be chatting and blah, 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 blah. And it's a normal thing for workers to discuss their issues they have with their business, their workplace. Oh, we close too late, cry too much, and this and this. It's a normal, everybody does it. One day, this gentleman who was being given the lift and everything, and everything was fine. He had a problem with the manager because his something about duty roster, and he wanted a particular day off, and manager said no way, and it became something, something. And he exchanged words with his manager. And according to the rules of the company, they had to go to disciplinary committee for the matter to be solved. So when they went there, everybody was against the guy that how can you be so rude to your manager and this and this and that and that and that. When the proceedings were done and they were about to dismiss them, this gentleman said, I have a tape I want to play. Everybody was like, what tape is that? He said, he has a tape. What tape is it? He was recording the conversations they were having. The things the manager was saying about his superiors that oh, this person is this and that and this and that he had a recording of everything when the bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked desperately when the bible asks desperately he could have just said wicked he said desperately wicked he said i have it evidence but you see the people at the disciplinary committee were smart people they were like in the first place, you've recorded somebody without his permission. It's even illegal. We can take you to the police. So we don't want this evidence. Take it away. But this is somebody he was giving a lift to. He said there were times he had even bought food for him. Oh, Charlie, we're going to lunch. Let's pass here. Said he thought he had a friend. Not knowing every conversation. Because when I spoke to him, he said he realized at certain points in time, when they are talking about this, the guy doesn't talk again. It's like he's just listening and in fact recording. He wasn't participating actively anymore. And so in this world, you need to guard your heart. You need to guard your heart. You shouldn't go be all innocent. The Bible says, be, be excellent at what is good and be innocent at evil. But it also says, be as wise as a serpent. You have to have your eyes open. Because not everybody who has a good heart. So guard your heart against anger, offense and bitterness, deception, pain and hurt and then the fifth one is falling for the wrong people you need to guard your heart falling for the wrong people and this one is very important to me hallelujah not only for the unmarried people but the married people as well you need to guard your heart because the heart is such that if you open it too much it can cause a lot of trouble. When I'm talking about wrong people, I'm not only talking about Amalekites. That one, we have discussed it extensively. I don't need to go there. Be not unequally joked together with unbelievers. If you find yourself and your heart is having some tachycardia towards some Amalekite, kill it there. Tell somebody, kill it there. Kill it there. Kill it there. Don't even allow it. You have... You see, the ability is there. You can decide whether to fall for somebody or not. What makes you fall is the things you entertain in your mind. You see, I told you the heart has two portals. Exit portal, entry portal.
the entry portal is guarded by two things one of them is imagination and the second one is meditation if you want the word of god to enter your heart the secret is meditation there are certain things if you want to enter your system you just have to be imagining them you can get you can decide that i am not falling for this person it is possible what makes you fall eventually is the imaginations you try and picture oh what it will it be like if he brackets me like this and his hand is around my waist bracketing when is done Imagining, oh, what will it be sitting and looking into his eyes? And we are chatting, and then you are falling deeper and deeper and deeper. But there are some people you can't allow yourself to fall for because there are no go areas. Hallelujah! I've met a lot of people hurt, depressed, heartbroken simply because they didn't guard their hearts in terms of who they allow themselves to fall for. Look, I believe you all know what infatuation is. Infatuation. We, we call it in, in modern parlance, we say having a crash. That one is a normal part of growing up. Hallelujah. Who here has had a, a crash before? Who are here has had an infatuation? Hey, those of you who are not lifting up your hands, we, you need deliverance. I need 10 bottles of oil. You will drink some, we'll put some in your ears. Give you intracardiac. <laughs> Pierce it. I said, how many of you have had a crash on somebody before? You have, you have been infatuated by somebody. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. Hey, you have not, you've never, you've never. <laughs> it is a normal thing. It is a normal. In fact, if you are growing up and you don't experience that, we should start suspecting you. Even little children, small, small, small children. Oh, they will see somebody and oh, imagining all kinds of things, and you are infatuated. It is normal celebrities people you know you can never have but you waste your time dreaming about them put their pictures in your room they are your what do you call it screensaver wherever you pass you are seeing you are worrying yourself hallelujah uh-huh. so infatuation is, is is okay but don't allow yourself to sink into it too much for it to become an obsession it's, it's, it's normal. You see somebody and because of the strength of the person, oh, you are all... And infatuation can be very strong because it's all based on strength. Strength, strength. The handsomeness, the beauty, the way the person smiles. See the person, the, the way the person sings. Oh, the vibratos and the... They can sing. David's daughter, Mikael. I'm sure she used to see David. Oh, Charlie, look at the way the guy comes to the house. He plays the harp. Oh, <laughs> that guy is fine. <laughs> so it's a normal thing. But you realize that the difference between infatuation and true love is that infatuation is based on only strength. But love, you see, with infatuation, you like the person for their strength, their fineness, their voice, their talent, their whatever. But in love, you love the person for both their strengths and their weaknesses. That's the difference. With infatuation, you'll be so much on a high for the person. The moment you see one weakness, you realize that it all disappears. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
one lady she was like she started national service in a bank and there was this guy who was like her idea of a fine guy she liked people who trimmed their beards you know that round thing it's like imagine man no bind like <laughs> they've created a wall of jericho to protect their mouth you know? it's called imagine man no bind wall of protection around the mouth she liked it so she went and saw this guy and she was like come on this this is the, I, every time she went home she would be thinking about this guy so excited and this and that but she hadn't gotten to get close to him yet and then one day there was this lunch and she happened to sit opposite the guy she couldn't even eat because her heart was just beating appetite was not there but see the guy hadn't noticed her so he, he was busy eating feeling free and he said at a point the guy ate uh, and pulled the bone and put it on his mouth like and started sucking <laughs> immediately all the feelings everything disappeared so, hey the guy pulled the bone like this put it on his mouth <laughs> he said hey how can you do that all the feelings disappeared immediately. Some people you like them until they open their mouth and start talking. You don't have nothing to say, nothing. <laughs> Good morning, say morning, morning. <laughs> Suddenly everything just disappears. What <laughs> oh, you can't love this? <laughs> so it is normal. In fact, God allows it to happen. So that you can tell the difference when the real one comes. Because the real one will come and you'll be doing cry and it's even nice for you. Oh, so cute. (laughs) He's being himself. So it is a normal thing. As I said, even children. Oh, you you admire somebody you see in a movie. I'll tell you my own story. When I was small, I was watching this, this movie. And I think I was probably around six or seven. And... I won't tell you the title of the movie because you go and look for it on YouTube. <laughs> you say, oh, hey, this one's Dr. Leslie's crash. <laughs> and there was this female doctor in the movie. Eh? So I was like, hey, this woman, in my mind, I was like, look, I will marry her at my age. I, I, I don't know what I saw. I was so, and I don't know. When I finished watching the movie that evening, my little boy's heart. I went to pray to God. Because, I me mean, when I see weddings, the people are about the same height, or the man is taller. But when I look at myself and her, there's no way the wedding can come on. So I prayed to God, two prayers. I said, God, please make me tall. <laughs> so that I can marry the female doctor. And God didn't answer it immediately. But eventually I became tall. And eventually I married a female doctor. <laughs> there is no prayer of yours God will not answer. Hallelujah. Yeah. So it's, it's like that. But when you realize that, look, this thing, there is no possibility of anything happening. Don't drown yourself in 
the emotions and get yourself trapped in a place of obsession there are a lot of people there they, they are sad you see you can have a crush on a married man for a short time oh this is he's fine he's this, 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 this it's okay but when you realize you are now getting to the point where you are wishing the wife would trip and fall or she'll get paralyzed or she'll even die so that you can come and take him then it means you are getting into dangerous realms you need to guard your heart you need to guard your heart i've seen a lot of people heartbroken that sometimes eh, when you start a relationship or not even start a relationship when you 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 you, you decide that okay this is somebody like there are some things that show you that this thing is not likely to go far then cut it guard your heart otherwise you'll be hurt you'll be heartbroken you are as and the person is ss right from the beginning if it's as as well you can say oh charlie let us believe god there's a just a 25 percent chance of having it Sickle cell. We'll use the next four years of the relationship to pray and bind SS. AS, <laughs> SS. You know you have an S right from the beginning. When you realize you are beginning to like the person, no, Charlie, find out. Charlie, some S they there. So that you know whether you are going to allow yourself to go or not. Are you getting the point I'm making? These are, these are practical things I'm teaching you. Before you allow yourself to go and you've gotten to the point where now you have to make a decision. You need to know these things. Most of you are medical people. By now you should know. And you see, when it comes to that blood group thing, the circling thing, there are a lot of people who are walking around thinking they are AA. But in actual fact, all they've done is the circling test. The circling test is different from the HB electrophoresis. You have seen some before. When the cycling test says you are cycling negative, it doesn't mean you are AA. This one, let me teach you some more hematology. <laughs> if it says you are cycling negative, it doesn't mean you are AA. And that is what a lot of people are assuming. You need to do the electrophoresis itself. The cycling ne- negative simply means you don't have an S. So it can be AC. It can be DC. It can be the hemoglobin is not only A, S, and then the C that we know. There are hundred and something different, different ones. There's even hemoglobin kolibu. There are two hemoglobins that were discovered in, in Ghana. Hemoglobin kolibu and hemoglobin osu christianborg. So maybe you are hemoglobin osu christianborg S. <laughs> so if you are AC, if you do the cycling test, it will read negative. And if you make a mistake of assuming you are AA because cycling is negative, and you go and marry an AS, the S and the C2, when they come together, it's sickle cell disease. And I've seen it happen before. There was this couple, they were behind me, a year behind me in medical school. They had gone out for a while, and then it got to a time, both medical students, they decided, let's do HB electrophoresis. And they realized they were both AS. And knowing what they knew as medical people, they found it difficult to go ahead. So they broke up. So the lady in her next relationship, the person she went out with wasn't a medical person. So quickly she asked from the beginning, what is your older? The person said, oh, I'm AA. They went ahead and got married. First shout, after a few months, started having dactylitis. Hand and foot. Fingers getting swollen. All sorts of things happening. 
We did the HB electrophoresis and lo and behold, the child was AC. So they checked the man and he was AC. And not that he deceived the woman. He being a lay person, even what I've told you right now is a revelation to some of you who are in the medical field and nursing field. That sickly negative doesn't mean you are AA. He thought sickly negative means you are AA. But he was AC. So her S and the C combined. And the child was there. This one I'm teaching you, you won't find it in the Bible. But these are things you must look out for. Hallelujah. I don't believe God made one person for you that if you miss that one, then it means you have missed it. God, God, God is not that wicked. He knows you have some stubbornness in you. So he gives you a spectrum. A wide spectrum. You make it that one to one. If it's one to one, a lot of people will miss it. Hallelujah. So there is, it's not a one to one match. God gives you a certain spectrum. So you need to guard your heart. If your heart is going in this direction, you realize that no, this thing for this and this and this reason is not likely to work. Just work yourself out of it. Hallelujah. Just work yourself out. It's very easy to work out yourself. You work yourself out of such things. Stop imagining. Because that is the portal, the entry portal to so stop imagining, stop thinking, stop, 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 stop fantasizing. Oh, and if it had been this, and if it had been that, and if it had been that. And even for those who are already in relationships, you need to guard your heart still. Those who are married, you must guard your heart still. I've seen situations where people married because of some small misunderstanding. A friend at work becomes too close. And too close leads to something else. Oh, this is, he, he comforts me. When I'm having issues with my husband, he comforts me. I've seen a, a story like that. So now she was staying after work and they were chatting, chatting, chatting. Oh, let's pass here and just have dinner before you go home. And this and this and the time they realized they were deeply steeped in a very bad affair. Which even resulted in a child. All because some people didn't guard their hearts. Look, in your relationships, there will be ups, there will be downs. In your marriage, there will be times when you feel like, Charlie, marriage is the best thing in the world. There are times too when there is turbulence, Satan will come and start whispering things into your head. But in those situations, guard your heart. Hallelujah. You must know that you have committed yourself to somebody. You have, you have committed yourself to something. Young men, when you are in a relationship and you decide, at this age, you are not entering relationships for experimentation. It's not an experiment. That oh, people are going on. So me too. Okay, so let me too. Let me let me do some. You just look for random girl. Okay, 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 you. At this age, it's not like that. Secondary school people do that. Me, I don't even see why secondary school people should even be entering relationships. Don't worry if you entered in secondary school. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I believe you are too young. The essence of a relationship is that at the end of a day, you must aim for it to end in marriage. That, that, that is it. You must end the marriage. Not experiment. Oh, I'm just looking for. There are some people. I know some people. They can't stay for two months without having been in a relationship. It's like every time there should be somebody sending them text messages. There should be somebody, you know, giving them sweet words. There should be somebody, you know, bringing them lunch and things like that. It's like they're just used to that kind of thing. At this there's no room for experimentation. When you are going in, you are going in with marriage at the back of your mind. 
You are entering a relationship which is courtship, which is supposed to end up in a marriage. Is that to say when you start, then it must definitely end in marriage? No. There are some things you may realize in the course, in the course of the courtship. And you realize that no. This thing. Yesterday when I was dealing with the students, I made a certain statement. Who remembers? A broken relationship is better than a bad marriage. If you realize you have to break up, break up. Even if it is the day before your wedding, it may be wicked. The person will get hurt. But he will get over it or she will get over it and you will save the person a lifetime of misery and torment and unhappiness. Because the moment you commit, let's say I told you this thing, is a padlock. It's like handcuffs. You are hooked and joked to the person forever. Because the Bible has made it clear, God hates divorce. So gentlemen, when you enter the relationship, focus. Everybody say focus. Yeah. Don't be looking around. Don't be imagining. The one God has given you will have some weaknesses. Yes, if there are weaknesses you know you can live with, live with them. Stop thinking, what if it had been this person? As for the what ifs, you can think. That in every situation in life, you can have a what if. You can use a what if to decide that you won't come to church. What if I go out and a car hits me? I don't come to church. Then when you go home to don't eat. What if you eat and you choke? <laughs> don't don't drink water again. What, what if you drink water and it enters your trachea? When you fall to this what if thing, you will never be satisfied in your relationship. You will never be satisfied. Because you sit afar and look at other people and their strengths and be admiring it. But those same people, when you go close and they take the bone. <laughs> And they start sucking it. You realize that they are not as perfect as you think. It's because you, you've never seen them eating. <laughs> you've never seen them in a particular situation before. So today my message for you is guard your heart. Guard your heart against anger. Guard your heart against offense and bitterness. Because the offense and the bitterness will defile you. Guard your heart against deception. You must be smart. Your eyes must be open all the time. Guard your heart against pain and hurt. There are some people who are pigs. They are swine. When you show them love, you show them goodness. They will trample upon the goodness and turn up back and attack you. And then guard your heart against falling for the wrong people. I pray that this word will be cemented in your spirit. You see, it may not be a theologically sound message, but it's a practical one that will help you. It may not be a message with a lot of revelation, highfalutin revelation. But if you will take these words that are spoken, and you will guard your heart, which is the central part of your life. Which is what God is going to look at. In judging you and rewarding you, I believe your life is going to be, never going to be the same. I want you to stand to your feet and pray this prayer. You want to pray today. Maybe yours is anger. I've told you what anger can do. You are like a city without walls. You are open to Satan. Even Jesus, the Bible said, Satan was looking to trap the Pharisees. They were looking to ensnare him by the words of his mouth. Satan is always looking for you to trap you. And the place he can get you to trap you is, is, is with anger. Maybe you are, you are too vulnerable to deception. Maybe you have offense, bitterness in your heart. Pain, hurt. You have a fall for wrong. If you want to pray that, Lord, guard my heart. Give me the strength to guard my heart. Just lift up your voice. Begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Sometimes you, you, you also need to guard your heart against being infected.
poison your mind against certain people poison your mind against your brother against your mother there are people who have been convinced their mothers are witches grandmothers are witches they are behind their, their, their lack of progress in life you must guard your heart you must place a sieve upon your heart lift up your voice and pray the lord guard my heart if you have bitterness in your heart you have to pray you have to pray that lord drain this bile from me drain this bitterness from my heart i want to be free of this offense i want to be free of this bitterness and you see with bitterness when you keep it satan keeps watering it he'll keep watering it making it look worse making it look worse making it look worse and at the end of the day you are defiling yourself if you carry bitterness in your heart you are not different from the fornicator you are not different from the adulterer you are not different from the murderer it is defilement of your spirit is defilement of your soul just lift up your voice and pray the lord guard my heart guard my heart guard my heart direct my motives let the things that excite me be the things that excite you. Let the things that make me happy be the things that make you happy. Let my desires be molded according to your desires. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. And pray that Lord open my eyes to deceivers. Rules who come in sheep clothing. Open my eyes. Give me sharper discernment. Let me see the swine. The Bible says, don't give the holy thing to the dog. Let me see the dogs when they come. Let me see the swine when they come. So that I'll not waste my pearls on them. I'll not waste my time on them. I'll not waste my energy on them. I'll not waste my resources on them. Simply because I want to obey God and do good things. But the same God is telling you not to throw your pearls to swine. Father, open our eyes to descend the swine. Open our eyes to descend the dogs. The people who will not appreciate the good things that we do for them. The people who will hate us. The people who will disappoint us. Place a guard upon our hearts, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. Right now, you want to commit your heart to God. Just tell the Lord, take my heart. Take my heart. Take my heart. Mold it. Mold it according to your will. Drain it of anything that is not supposed to be there. Take my heart and mold it. Take my heart and mold it. Take my heart. Drain it of bitterness. Drain it of bitterness. Drain it of offense. Drain it of unforgiveness. In the name of Jesus. We trust you have been blessed by this message. For information on how you can receive more teachings from the man of God, reach us on 024 873 Stay blessed. Oh, oh.